This is the Employee Safety Podcast, where you'll hear advice from experienced safety leaders on how to protect your people and business. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld. Today, I'm speaking with Hannah Olson, co-founder and CEO of Disclow, a platform that helps organizations track employee disability accommodations. In this episode, Hannah shares how organizations can foster an inclusive safety culture without compromising employee privacy. Let's get into the conversation. Hey, Hannah, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to to be here today. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let's say I'm a safety or security leader, and maybe I'm just a bit new to this topic of accommodating disabilities in the workplace. What's the very first thing I really need to know? First thing you need to know is that disabilities are everywhere, and more people are impacted than you might think. Fun fact is that 70% of disabilities aren't invisible or not apparent is actually a better way of saying that. So people like me have disabilities and you may not see it on the outset. Obviously, you can't see me right now, but you may not know. And so it's impacting way more people than we may think. And they're everywhere. And when we say disability, are we saying physical, mental, both? That's what's so interesting about disability. Disabilities can be mental or physical impairments. And what's really interesting is that there's not a list of here are all of the disabilities that are considered to be a disability. It's actually quite a broad definition and a very gray definition, but it's something that substantially limits one or more major life activities. That's how the government defines a disability. So could be anything. Could be even things such as chronic back pain, or I've got anxiety and depression, or I'm an alcoholic. These are all things that could be falling into that disability category, even if you don't consider yourself or see yourself as as being disabled, it really does impact more people than we may think. And I think that really leads to the challenge of how do I deal with this? And I know we're going to dig into that a little bit more later. But before we do, I can can imagine the safety leaders who are listening to this, and they're probably wondering, isn't this an HR thing? What would you say to our listeners who aren't sure if this applies to them in their role? It's a great question. And when I first heard your podcast, actually, one of the episodes I listened to was you were speaking with someone who had a serious injury at work and they had fallen and were now living in a wheelchair and dedicating their life to advocating. This is a perfect example. Injuries on the job can result in your employees now needing workplace accommodations or support. And as I mentioned, you know, we just don't really even understand how many people live with a disability or how much it impacts us on the day to day. So perhaps you have an employee who has epilepsy, for example, uh, and they don't feel comfortable telling their HR department. And what if that employee has a seizure on the job and gets injured? That becomes a safety concern, right? And so your employees, while they care about physical safety, they also care about their mental or psychological safety. And right now, the process of disclosing your disability and asking for accommodations, it's not safe. And it is invasive. And if you don't think that the topic applies to you, I I hate to be blunt, but it does. Everyone is impacted by disability in some way. And whether we consider ourselves to be directly working in the disability space or kind of tangentially, it is affecting and impacting all of us. Yeah, I think it's one of those elephants in the room that nobody wants to talk about. And as you were talking there, it reminded me, when I was in college many years ago, one of the students was in an accident that resulted in his paralysis from the waist down. And upon his return, the school built wheelchair ramps to every single building, many of which were built back in the 1800s. So as a very young man, that really opened my eyes to how much the world around us is geared toward those without disabilities 
and then how frustrating it can be for those with them. So with that in mind, what's it like for employees who are navigating the workplace with a disability or a chronic health condition? I'll start by sharing my story because I think it'll help kind of paint the picture. I myself, as I'm alluded to, have dealt with chronic illness, which I now consider to be a disability. I didn't realize it at the time. And when I first entered the workplace, I had an IV in my arm, which I had for about three years. And I was hooked up to antibiotics for eight hours a day, every single day. Wow. Oh my goodness. And hooked up to an IV pole. That, that's talk about a safety concern. Yeah. But, you know, I saw firsthand just how challenging it was to navigate the process of telling my boss. I remember getting the job and truthfully being terrified of telling them that I had an IV. I thought, you know, they're going to rescind my offer or mm. you know, I'm never going to get to move up in this career. And unfortunately, I ended up in a company and, and career that wasn't right for me and wasn't accepting of this situation. But now I've obviously have dedicated my life to helping people like me, but it's a very uncomfortable process. And my story is not unique. For people with chronic illnesses and disabilities, right now, the process, as I mentioned, is unsafe. And it involves you typically having to go to your manager, or if you're lucky, your HR department, and raising your hand and saying, I'm someone with a disability and I need support or I need an accommodation. And now you've outed yourself and now you could potentially face discrimination. And that's a very scary process for people. And it's why most people don't disclose. And so today, working with a disability often involves you being silent and you having to suffer through that silence because you're too scared to say anything and, and potentially impact your career. You know, with the pandemic, we started to see a shift in attitude around mental health that just didn't exist. It used to be like mental health, go deal with your own problems on your own time. And then the pandemic hit, and now it's something that people talk about on both sides. So there's this openness now, a bit more. I'm not saying we're perfect. Are you seeing that also on the disability front? Not because of the pandemic, but in general, is there a, kind of been a sea change or a shift change in how people view this in the relationship, or is it still very much a struggle? In great news, actually, disability employment reached a record high this past year. So more people with disabilities are employed than ever before. And that is really exciting news. And I think it goes to show exactly to your point. We all went remote during COVID very quickly and unprompted, and we didn't have any idea of how we were going to handle this. But suddenly we accommodated all of our people. And we realized that we can do this and we can be flexible and we can make accommodations for people. And so I think it's really shifted the way we treat people with disabilities and the way that we can and are open to accommodating them. And so I absolutely think there's starting to be a shift. I also think with things like pregnancy, we're starting to have more protections to support people who are pregnant in the workplace. And all of this is pushing employers to realize, hey, we're going to lose talent if we don't meet them where they're at. And where they're at is we need help. And I think lastly, I'll say there was a huge jump in the amount of people asking for accommodations last year, we saw a 61% increase, wow. which is crazy. Yes. And I think it just goes to show that more people are feeling like, hey, if I don't get what I need, I'm just going to leave this job and go to a new company. And so people are raising their hand. And as we enter this return to work era right now that we're in, more people than ever are going to say, I actually am someone who needs help. Well, I'm glad you, you mentioned that statistic because as you were talking, I was thinking, did we just hide the problem because people could stay home and hide behind a Zoom screen or something like that? But it sounds like, no, they're, they're being empowered now to say, hey, I need help or I've got this disability and it's okay to talk about it. Whereas previously, like you said, complete fear. So I think that's great. 
yeah, I do think there was a lot of hiding behind the Zoom, the Zoom screen. And I think people may have used those work from home budgets or stipends. And perhaps, you know, if I've got arthritis in my hand and I need that ergonomic mouse as an accommodation. I might have just put that in my work from home budget that mm. most employers offered at the beginning of the pandemic. So I think a lot of people were able to hide it. And now as we in the last year have started returning to work, coming back in person, people are saying, hey, I'm not up for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, on the flip side of all that, what are some of the common challenges for organizations working to grant reasonable accommodations? I can't imagine it's an easy process to keep up with. It's not. And I think part of that is just because the law, the ADA, is very, very gray. It's a great piece of legislation. It's really helped support uh, the disability community, but it's pretty outdated. And so at this point, right now, it's just very gray. And the word reasonable, I'm glad you put that in there. Who knows what is reasonable, right? Right, it's, it's right. become this very unreasonable question, for lack of better words. And I, I think employers today are, are facing significant challenges in managing this process. And, and the two main issues are that it's actually illegal to store any protected health information, PHI, inside of your HR systems or your people systems. And so most companies are relying on these very packed together methods of managing this process. So they're using sticky notes and spreadsheets to actually even piece together the accommodations process. So that's one big challenge. And then the other big challenge for companies is the legal issues. So disability is now the number one cause of EEOC discrimination lawsuits for companies. So companies are getting sued every single day for this. And typically, people have this assumption that large employment lawsuits are only occurring for large employers. But in reality, that's, that's very far from the truth. This can happen to any company. And so companies have not only this storage challenge, but they also have this huge legal issue constantly looming over their head that, hey, if, if we mess this process up, we might get the hatchet. So where's the real challenge here? And when I say that, you're always going to have your bad actor who's going to come in and say, I'm going to look for a violation and try to take advantage of it. But I think that's really small. Most people with disabilities want to work with their employer and figure something out. And they get it. It's like, look, most people don't need this accommodation. I do. I'm just asking for a fair shot. So how do you work together as an employer and employee? I think a lot of it comes down to education and educating managers and HR folks on having these conversations and navigating them and having conversations about empathy as well. I think we're very quick to judge and just turn ourselves off to things because it, it's something different and the employee is needing something from us. But like you said, people are only asking for accommodations because they actually need something. It's very rare that someone's saying, I want a standing desk just for fun. Right. Companies aren't going to allow that. And so I think a lot of it comes to education and just teaching people how to be good humans. It seems simple, but that's really a, a huge piece of this is how do we make our employees feel safe and feel comfortable? And we do that through education. And when people make a request for something, what's the process an organization should follow? I shouldn't say organization. Organizations don't do anything. People do things. So if someone comes to me with a request, I'm a manager or I'm the safety director or I'm an HR, 
what do you want to do there? Like, clearly you want to document things. Do you bring in legal? What's the process you follow to make sure that everything's above board and we show we're actually trying to make a serious effort to accommodate this so nothing can be left to interpretation later if it ends up going to a lawsuit and there's confusion? In terms of how the manager or HR person should actually handle this process, you're right. Documentation is everything. You have to document every single step throughout the process. But I think taking a, a step back, just as I mentioned, responding with empathy is, is one huge piece that's often missed. People forget how hard it is for that employee to come to them in the first place. And so making that person feel safe and feel like we're here for you throughout the whole process it's called an interactive process. And it's this back and forth of deciding what is, is a reasonable accommodation. And to engage in a true interactive process, you should document everything. You should involve the right people. And you should really listen to what the employee is asking for and try to come up with a solution before just outright denying something. In terms of involving legal, that's a step that may need to occur depending on how complex the case is. But Usually what we're seeing is people asking for very simple things. Yeah. Very low cost, high impact. And they're things that can just be worked out really easily, but people make them more complex than they need to be. It sounds like they probably make them complex because most people just don't understand it. They're a little bit confused. They're a little bit scared. And then there's this idea of lawsuits. So you talked earlier about equal employment opportunity suits. What are some of the other legal pitfalls that organizations need to be aware of? Yeah, there's a lot. Disabilities now become the number one cause of, of discrimination lawsuits for companies. And the cost is, is really too great to ignore. In 2022, we saw record high amount of disability employment. But at the same time, we're also seeing record high lawsuits in correlation. And so I think more people than ever are fighting back. So companies need to be aware of this and also be staying up to date on both federal and state regulations because it is actually state dependent. And I think a lot of companies have this misconception that we have to be a huge organization in order to comply with the ADA. This doesn't apply to me. But in reality, the ADA applies to all companies with 15 employees or more. And in many states, it's actually five employees. And in some states, it's as low as one employee that you could have to comply with the ADA. Wow. I guess be compliant or, you know, accommodating yourselves. But in this case, I think Small businesses need to be aware of this and need to be thinking about this. You might think this doesn't apply to me, but it does. And so that's one big piece. And then we're seeing these new regulations as well. So we're seeing protections I mentioned for pregnant employees. This past year, we had the PUMP Act and the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act both pass. PUMP Act is to allow moms to have a, a place to breastfeed at work and time to do that during the workday. Whereas Pregnant Workers Fairness Act is quite literally the ADA for pregnant employees. And so now pregnant employees can ask for accommodations. And so companies need to be aware of all of these changing regulations and stay on top of it. The risk is just too great to ignore. There's a lot changing to your point that you just said. And I can imagine a lot of organizations don't have the wherewithal financially to engage legal counsel on these types of things to stay up, up to date on all the stuff that's going on. Man, I, we could spend the rest of the whole podcast on this alone, but I guess maybe to sum it up, how does that work? Let's say a new law comes into place. You weren't aware of it. Someone comes to you. There's not lawsuit immediately. It's like, hey, you've got some time to redress this. Is that fair? I think usually they'll let us know about the law months in advance before 
it goes into effect. Like Pregnant Workers Fairness Act passed in December of 2022, and it goes into effect on June 27th of 2023. So the law states that by June 27th, you have to be prepared. And actually, the EEOC says right on their website that starting June 27th, they will be able to make charges for pregnancy discrimination. So Mm. you have to stay on top of that. And that's one of the things that we're doing in our organization is helping companies to stay compliant and to be able to keep up to date with all things, accommodations, disability, pregnancy, all these kinds of things. Well, you mentioned this before, and I want to dig into it a bit. On the one hand, we're always encouraging organizations to build a culture of communication, inclusivity, awareness. But then on the other, that might seem at odds with employee privacy, which you mentioned before. Um, So is there a way organizations can balance those two things? Yeah, of course. I think a lot of this is intertwined. One of the big things that we took into account when we built our software was that we help people to verify their disabilities with their doctor, but we don't share their condition with the employer. And that's something really important in this process because the employer doesn't need to know that Hannah has Lyme disease. They just need to know that this is verified and Hannah needs this accommodation. And so that can really help the employee to feel safe through the process that I'm getting access to the support and the inclusivity piece that you mentioned. But at the same time, my employer is not going to know the very specifics of my medical condition, which feels very uncomfortable. You know, I like to use the example of imagine someone with irritable bowel syndrome and they have to use the shared restroom multiple times per day. And maybe there's desks right next to that restroom and they don't want to have to use that restroom every day. But imagine that conversation with your boss, like it's not a comfortable conversation to have, but that should be something that the employee can be accommodated for. But the employer doesn't need to know that it's due to IBS or IBD. And so there's ways that we can create safety and privacy the individual while still being an inclusive and thoughtful employer. Hopefully that helped answer that. No, it absolutely does. But man, that is tough because I think that's part of the problem here that I don't know it's solvable. If you can't share why you're asking for the accommodation, human nature is, well, why the heck do you need it? And everyone up and down the chain, your manager, their director, like they're all going to be like, this is crazy. Like, why are we doing this? But if you just told them in two seconds, they'd be like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no problem. So how do you deal with that? That's really tough. You can verify that someone does indeed have a certain condition with their doctor. You just don't need to know the actual disability itself. I think we've gotten so fixated on, like you said, our brains are like, well, what does the person have if they're Mm -hmm. saying, but looking at me, no one's ever going to know that I have Lyme disease, right? It's something that you can't see. So it's something I can hide. It shouldn't be a part of the equation because why do we need to know that I have Lyme disease? Because then it's going to start a whole conversation of, I'm so sorry for you. And it becomes this long story that doesn't need to happen. Yeah. Well, practically speaking, how can those people, I mean, you can just say to them, just deal with it. You know, they have an accommodation. That's it. You don't need to worry about it. That's not really a good solution, I don't think. So is there something else? And maybe we need a whole other podcast to talk about that. (laughs) But is there something that you can think of that would be helpful to the people that are having to accommodate things they don't understand? That's exactly why I built a software to, to support this process, because I think there is a solution. And the solution is that there needs to be someone verifying this because the company needs to know and the employee needs to be supported through the process. But they don't need to actually know that Hannah has Lyme disease. We just need to know that and is verified. And so my team built a software that manages this whole process and the employer can feel assured that the employee indeed has a condition because they get a nice doctor's note 
But in that doctor's note, it snipped out the employee's specific condition. And so it's protecting the employee's privacy, but they still know that this is a legitimate request. And unstructured conversation happens. People have conversations in the lunchroom and they might mention, hey, you know, it's because I have IBS or I have anxiety. That's what I'm going for my appointment. And that's okay. That can happen. That's part of a workplace, right? But it shouldn't be something that just immediately gets outed. Yeah. It should be your choice to have that conversation. Absolutely. And I think just it's cultural. You know, we talk about on this show all the time that to have a really good safety program in your organization, it can't just be checklists. It has to be cultural. Part of our organization is that we absolutely respect people's privacy and we want to make it an inclusive environment that people with disabilities feel comfortable coming here and don't have to share anything. And that's got to come from the top down. The leaders of the organization have to walk the walk, talk the talk. I mean, all that. And if they don't, it's not going to work. So I think making sure that key leaders in the organization talk about this, explain it. You said it earlier, educate. Then people go, yeah, it's okay that I have no idea what's wrong with Hannah. That's totally fine. But I'm here to work with her and make this as comfortable a place as possible. Yeah. And there's things, like you said, that are safety concerns and that the employer should know. Like if I have a serious allergy, my employer should know that because if they give me that in the office, then I have an allergy attack, that's on you, right? But that's what we consider maybe like an emergency action plan versus Mm. here's just me disclosing something to you. So I think there are things that are safety concerns. I may have given the example of epilepsy earlier in in the podcast. And like that's something that your employer may want to know because if you have a seizure, here's what we need to do. But there's things that don't need to be known. And so I think that there's this, again, ADA is so gray, very nuanced. Well, knowing that it's very nuanced and so gray, people need education. So what resources would you recommend for employers and employees to learn more about disability accommodations in general? Yeah. So there's a great resource from the U.S. Department of Labor. It's called the Job Accommodation Network. It's an entire, essentially, company, part of the government that's completely dedicated to accommodations in the workplace. They've got great resources for both employees and employers and job seekers. We do a lot of work with them. Another great organization would be the DMEC, Disability Management Employment Council, I believe. And they're great. They do conferences and events all for professionals working in the disability space. So that would be on the employer-facing side. And then we have tons of resources on our site, disclo.com. And we've got tons of resources for both employees and employers and written by experts in this space. So I think those are three great places to start. But again, putting the work in in the disability space is something I tell my friends to do, my parents even. A lot of it needs to be your work. Going out there, figuring out who are thought leaders, following them, adding them into your social media feeds, and educating yourself. Because it's not always up to disabled people to educate non-disabled people. And I hope anyone listening to this doesn't see that as a bad thing, but hopefully an exciting thing where you can learn about a new population that needs support and not a new, but new to you maybe. So hopefully that helps. Absolutely. And you're right. We're in this together. It should not rest on the shoulders of the disabled person to have to deal with everything. So I think that's fantastic advice. And thank you for everything. Really appreciate you being on the show today. I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. If you'd like to learn more about Hannah and her work with Disclo, please check out the links in the show notes. Tune in next week for more expert advice to help you protect your business and people. 
Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.